On Tuesday, the first college football playoff rankings of the season will be released. So it's that time of year when everybody, and I mean everybody, has an opinion on the top teams in college football. Now, I have no idea what the committee's initial poll will look like, but I do know that Tuesday's rankings don't mean anything, like at all. But I get it. The first college football playoff rankings are something to talk about, as I'm proving right now. But if you're a supporter of the Oklahoma football team, which I am, I'm telling you there's no reason to be concerned about the Sooners' playoff outlook right now. If OU wins out, the Crimson and Cream will be in the playoff. Just think about it. If OU does win out, that means the Sooners will have beaten Oklahoma State, TCU, West Virginia, Kansas, and also the Big 12 championship. They'll have a win in that game. That's potentially four wins over ranked opponents and probably at least three wins over top 15 opponents. That would give OU at least four victories over top 25 teams this season, and potentially five depending on if West Virginia gets ranked before that matchup in Norman on November 25th. The only teams in the current top seven of the AP poll that could have at least four wins against top 25 teams by the end of the season are Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Clemson. Not Ohio State, not Wisconsin, not Penn State. And the only teams in that top seven who have a chance to beat five top 25 teams this season are Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, I know this is a lot of information to throw out there, but my point is this. If OU takes care of business the rest of the way, the Sooners will have one of the best resumes in college football. And depending on how things shake out, OU would have the best resume of all the one-loss teams. The college football media likes to live in the moment. The Sooners have a bunch of big games the rest of the way that will dramatically shift the narrative if OU plays well and wins out. So sit back, relax, and don't get too worked up over the first college football playoff rankings. They're useless, and the Sooners still control their own destiny. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. Here's Mayfield to throw. Little pump. Enzo looking at it. C.D. Lamb hauls in a perfect 24-yard pass from Baker Mayfield for a touchdown on his way to setting an Oklahoma true freshman record with 147 yards on nine catches. He would add another touchdown in the third quarter, and the Sooners would go on to win in fairly comfortable fashion over Texas Tech Saturday night, 49-27. And with that, we welcome you into the final West of Everest of the month of October. I am Lee Benson, as I stated at the beginning, and I'm joined by my brother Grant, as always. Let's bring him back. Let's bring him in right uh, right now, Grant. How's it going on this? Uh, of course, we, we record this on the Sunday after the game. So, how's it going on uh, post Texas Tech Sunday for you? You sound very confidently about Oklahoma's playoff chances. I think we had uh, we had traded some text messages this morning. I don't necessarily share the same outlook as you do, so so hopefully that'll that'll create some. Uh, some sort of interesting conversation going forward. Uh, but I'm doing well. It, it, it's always nice. I think last night was the first night in about a month watching OU that we were able to kind of breathe easy in the second half. Uh, finally, the Sooners kind of uh, right at the beginning of the second half yesterday put the game away for the most part. That was nice to see. Well, I got to say, so some background. I got to apologize to the listeners right off the top, fairly off the top, because 
This is the first time since we've been doing this podcast, Grant, that I was not able to go back and rewatch the entire game. The game got over so late last night. I was there in Norman for homecoming. I was on Owen Field. It wasn't even really that cold. It got kind of cold towards the end of it in the fourth quarter, but thank goodness for Oklahoma putting together that 11-plus-minute drive to run the clock out so everyone could go home. So I didn't get back to work until about 1 a.m. Didn't get home until about 1.30 a.m. And I was wiped. I went to sleep and then I was at work today. Anyways, wasn't able to watch it. So it's on you. You watched the game. You saw again in rewatch fashion what happened, especially in that first quarter and first half. So I'm going to be leaning on you in this podcast, Grant, to give me some information on Oklahoma, the defense, the offense, really what happened upon further review. So I hope you're up for that. I'm always up for it, Lee. We'll see if I can deliver. <laughs> see, this is on you. See, like, you're going to try to be the MVP for the first time because, let's be honest, I've carried the show so far. So, anyways, let's uh, move on to the first quarter. Uh, you mentioned that the first quarter was kind of the the main quarter that you wanted to focus on. It makes sense. There's a lot of points scored, and Oklahoma's defense came out looking as lost. Is that fair? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think it's it can certainly be argued, and you can argue it with a lot of validity, that that first quarter – and, you know, we've been through the ringer this year watching these guys. That first quarter may have been the worst quarter they've played on defense this season. Uh, it was pretty bad. And kind of, Texas Tech sort of scored in every which way on offense, it seemed like. Uh, they started the game, obviously, with that long 15-minute, almost 8-minute drive to score. Um, and, of course, the, the, the other two possessions where they scored in the first quarter it was quick strike, long passes. One of them was just terrible terrible coverage where there was a couple guys wide open downfield and the other was just uh finding a soft spot in the zone and then after that kiki kuti just turned on the jets and that must have surprised everyone i don't know about how fast he was um certainly a lot to look at um i i think obviously the first thing to look at uh which was maybe the most apparent thing especially to anyone who was watching the game on tv was just the game plan the Sooners had coming out, um, especially with their with their down Lyman Lee. The first three drives of the game, Lee, where Texas Tech scored three touchdowns and 20 points, OU had two down linemen on the field for every single play. How about that? Now, so, okay, so this is where I, I was able to watch the a little bit of the Lincoln-Riley coaches show that airs on Sundays as well, where Dean Blevins talks to Lincoln-Riley, and, and they talk uh, and they go over every play. So I was able to watch a little bit of the first half, and when you say there was two down linemen, you just mean two linemen with their hands in the ground, right? Because it looked like yes. they had three rushers, including Oboe, standing up. So I guess technically it, it, it was a three-man front, though, right? It, it, it was technically a three-man front. O, uh, Oboe was on the edge. Um, so, yes, you're, it, it would... It, Technically, probably a three-four. However, Oboe is certainly not a defensive lineman. Uh, therefore, I, I, I kind of and Twitter was kind of thrown around too. So it probably wasn't a true two-four-five. But in terms of the personnel you had on the field, uh, it, it was a two-four-five, and it certainly looked looked like it uh, a two-four-five with, with you know with the success that Texas Tech had running the football, which was an immense amount of success in the first quarterly. Yeah, and you mentioned that um, – oh, geez, what did you say? Oh, yeah, Texas Tech was able to move the ball and score in, in a bunch of different ways. Yep. Our last podcast going into this, previewing Texas Tech, what did you and I both talk about? We talked about how surprising it's been watching Texas Tech this year about how much they run the football. And even in a game last week, or I guess two weeks ago now, where they lost pretty badly to Iowa State, Texas Tech still stuck, stuck with the run and ran the ball just as many times as they passed it. So is it crazy or 
to, to think that Oklahoma came out and didn't anticipate Texas Tech to run the football a lot or, or, or what was going on? Like what, what are your thoughts on, on what Mike Stoops and company in the defense thought Tech was going to be doing from the start? Because it certainly seems like they weren't really ready for that running game. Well, obviously, I think the first kind of emotional response to it is you think to yourself, well, Mike Stoops must have just thought, well, they didn't really present much of a threat running the ball. If you listen to our, our show last week previewing the game, we mentioned here that Texas Tech was considerably better and more efficient running the ball this year uh, than throwing the ball. And that's what, uh, frankly, I was concerned about. I, I, was, I was concerned about Texas Tech getting chunk yardage in the run game, um, especially when they spread OU out. And I kind of figured, because Iowa State had success with kind of the three-man front and dropping eight into coverage, I suspected Mike Stoops would be licking his chops, thinking to himself, oh yeah, I, I, I know I can get away with it this time. And that's sort of what it, what it looked like. Um, I, I do have to say it wasn't – there were some plays where uh, they were in position to make plays. There were some missed tackles. Emmanuel Beal especially had a really poor uh, poor first quarter. Uh, singling out Will Johnson also didn't look great, especially on the, on the, on the second touchdown that QT scored. Um, they're, they're, I, I, would, I would say I'd put most of it on the scheme just because they, they were kind of set up to fail, really. They – Texas Tech did precisely uh, what, what Oklahoma allowed them to do. And a, th- a thing that I did want to point out that I found interesting, and I thought, I thought Texas Tech did a good job of just adjusting to what Oklahoma was doing and just, uh, frankly, taking what OU was giving them. Uh, Texas Tech really did run, uh, it seemed like, kind of that same play that Kansas State ran a lot last week with the, with the polling offensive linemen. Uh, of course, obviously they did it. They handed it off to the running back instead of it, it being a quarterback draw or a quarterback run like that. Uh, but you could tell that Texas Tech watched the tape from last week and realized they could have a little bit of success polling two offensive linemen, um, especially if you're going up against a five- or six-man uh, you know, front seven. Uh, why not? They 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 were outnumbering them uh, everywhere to go. Of course, there there were a couple missed tackles where they could have done a lot better job. But but for the most part, it was Texas Tech, just like Kansas State last week, just getting a hat on the a hat on a hat, and they're just being more blockers than tacklers, Lee. And something that really stood out to me again on the field, didn't get a chance to see it from up top. It, it I, I was able though to see a, a, some plays. Okay, so I, one of the plays I did watch back was the third Texas Tech touchdown of the first quarter that made it twenty to fourteen Tech, and that was the long pass play over the top when uh, Jordan Thomas was in coverage. And I watched that play, and it continued. I'm I'm just worried that Oklahoma's defense is too complicated because this is it's such a simple coverage. They're in cover three. This is cover three. It's the easiest coverage to play as a cornerback, as a safety, especially a cornerback, because you have the deep third of the field. And as a cornerback, you just know, okay, nobody can get behind me. And literally two players got behind Jordan Thomas on that play. And I just, I don't understand. And I say, the reason I bring up, is the defense too complicated? Did he not know it was cover three? Did he think it was cover two? Did he think it was man? I, you know, and did he just, or did he just make a mistake? So that's, that's confusing to me because it's such a simple thing, and yet Oklahoma was exploited on it, at least on that one play. And that may have been one play where he just didn't play well, and, and the rest of the night he did play well because I, I don't know, remember any other plays that stood out where Jordan Thomas didn't play well. I and mean, You may have some that I just don't know about, but just that was the one of the plays that I saw that I was just scratching my head thinking, what is going on? No, I, I I did think that was uh, that was the main play with JT Jordan. Uh, Jordan Thomas actually played 
you know, if, if you remove that one play, he actually he played a fine game. He, he was fine. It was actually they uh, they were picking on Parnell actually a little bit more than they were picking on Jordan uh, on on Saturday. So, so there you go. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it was just the one play, and he, he yeah. adjusted, and he was fine. And as a note, I I, I do think yesterday was uh, was the worst game Parnell Motley has played this year. He he did get beat in man coverage a couple times, and not beat uh, like that. I just just giving up a lot of stuff underneath and soft coverage, and allowing just kind of easy eight nine yard completions, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but other than that, so I, I, this this is usually where I kind of lean on you, Lee, to talk about, especially that play with Jordan Thomas in the first quarter. It it, it really did look like when I was watching it back, it, it looked like confusion. It looked like he didn't know what coverage he was in, uh, because I believe it uh, on the outside. I believe it was a double move at first, and and J, he, J, JT did. He just looked confused out there. I think it technically was a double move, but it yeah. really wasn't a very good no, move. No, it was. So and, and and if you're in a deep third coverage like he was, he was supposed to be, that shouldn't matter. Because even if they do some sort of move, you're going to make sure that you stay deep. And then, yeah, I mean, maybe if they do a perfect timing route and the quarterback gets the ball at the perfect time and he completes it right in front of you, you know, you know, tip your cap to him, that's a nice play. But the main goal <laughs> when you're playing cover three as a cornerback is you can't look at, let get anybody get behind you and on that play not just one player but two players got behind him and and it was all it was very similar to one of the plays against Baylor earlier in the year where it looked like he to me the inside receiver he saw that player make some sort of move like he was getting by Stephen Parker and he was trying to help and that in turn took his eye off of the outside receiver which he allowed an outside release once again because their alignment is so bizarre with cover three they allow that outside release which you don't want to give up the sideline but Oklahoma normally always does for some reason and it's all it's not just Jordan Thomas it's also Parnell Motley and that allowed the player to run free up the sideline near the boundary and it was an easy pitch and catch great throw but it was still he was wide open and it was just a very confusing play. And again, that was one play I saw. And it's easy to, to point fingers when you see one play. And you say that you saw Jordan Thomas play well the rest of the night. And from where I was down in the field, I don't remember any other plays that I was thinking, oh, he didn't look that good on that play. So, I mean, again, it's one play and he's a good player. But, yeah, it's just it's I'm conf I'm confused because I don't know if it was just a mistake on his part or if something the calls getting in is not getting into the, the players right or if they're not relaying it or what. So. Hopefully they can get that fixed. Uh, there, there just seemed to be an attitude to the defense in the first quarter. There was just lots of trepidation. It, it did just kind of seem like uh, everyone was on their heels and they were, they were reacting instead of. I, it, it was interesting, especially that second touchdown. Uh, it just, it, it was, it was interesting just how slow everyone looked on the play. Everyone was guessing. Uh, the, the play action and, and the run game had kind of thrown everyone out of whack, and it was, but. Fortunately, though, I mean, as soon as they threw that that third down lineman on the field, that kind of changed their fortune the rest of the game. Texas Tech only scored one more time the rest of the game, and I felt like from that point on, it kind of looked like a typical good defensive performance against a Texas Tech team, whereas everything they got, it was because Shimanek honestly just found uh, holes in the zone, was making good plays. He threw a couple of really nice balls at Dylan Cantrell that you can't really do anything about. Um Really, after that first quarter, Texas Tech could not run the ball a lick. I mean, I think they were they were well on pace for over 100 yards rushing in the first quarter, and they ended up with less than 100 yards. Uh, so from that first quarter on, uh, Texas Tech became completely one-dimensional. Of course, that was after they added that third down lineman. And I, I, I don't know. I, I would... I, I, I'm never going to pretend to be an expert on the subject. I, I, I think I probably understand what Mike Soups was trying to do. In his head, he was thinking, hey... 
you know, we, we think maybe we can stop the run with just this alignment right here. And he wanted extra help for the pass. And of course, you know, even when he had that personnel on the field, they, they completed two long touchdown passes. It wasn't doing anything for him anyway. So he decided, let's put the extra third down alignment on the field, take away the run, which is exactly what happened. Texas Tech was completely one-dimensional the rest of the way through. And I really thought that the defense gained a lot of confidence and played well. Uh, one of the one of the plays I do want to single out uh, the most is because I, I thought it was a really nice call uh, was that fourth down play in the in the second quarter. Caleb Kelly's interception was a, a really, really nice defensive call by Mike Stoops. Uh, they The Sooners really did kind of employ a mix of coverages they played they played a lot of man they played a lot of zone they they did do a good job of mixing it up but on that particular play uh that was actually a a, a zone blitz whereas uh they they faked Jordan Thomas was was manned up on the side he he faked that he was going to get a jam in but as soon as the ball was snapped he did blitz um off the boundary right there and Caleb Kelly uh, dropped into his zone, and you could tell Texas Tech they were just trying to do a, a quick little hitter on Jordan Thomas there, but of course Caleb Kelly was right there for the pick. I thought that was a great disguise call by Mike Stoops, and I, I want to see more of stuff like that. I love stuff like that, and it was a great defensive call. And how about this? I'm glad you brought that up, Grant, because after the game, when Mike Stoops was answering questions from the media, when I was in the media room hearing him talk about plays like that, that was a brand new blitz that they put in just for this game. Good. That's the first time they've ran that play, and Caleb Kelly got an interception. And because it, it's perfect, because Texas Tech has been running stuff like that for years. Just the the little quick back shoulder five yard throw uh, before the corner can really do anything to react. And so I just just a smart call, smart call. And, and fr- from there on, uh, of course, Texas Tech did score on their very first drive in the third quarter. But from there, it was it was zip nothing. They didn't even really threaten. And of course, how nice was that? Um, they, they they get the or they did threaten of course they had the the Sooners did have the goal line stand there in the fourth quarter and then somehow the offense ran off the last 11 and a half minutes of the clock insane <laughs> yeah it was that that was great and they needed that they needed to get out of there and, and yep. get on to bedlam for sure yeah uh, I do want to bring that up again Lee how nice was it because you and I have been harping on this for for years it seems like Texas Tech didn't score any garbage time touchdowns and that's always yeah. nice to see. And only seven points after the first quarter, correct? And see, mm-hmm. and this is the thing, too. Like, me being on the field and watching the game through a camera lens, if you will, I didn't have that the feeling when the game ended of, like, man, I, Oklahoma's defense really played a lot better. I To me, it, it was all it all just kind of came together, and, and I kind of left the game thinking, eh, that wasn't that great. But then afterwards, hearing Lincoln Riley talk about it and him saying, honestly, that was one of our most complete games of the season. And in my mind, I was thinking at the time, like, really but now that I've learned more about the game and I've heard you talk and other people that have talked about the game and seen the stats I realized well yeah I mean the defense certainly did rebound and play a lot better after that first quarter and I gotta say it's a lot better than the defense coming out and looking really good for a quarter and then Texas Tech figuring it out and then making the defense look really bad for three quarters correct so if you want to look at glass half full there it is right there I thought I thought Texas Tech came in with a good game plan they they obviously had I, I, and I think they scripted plays. I think they came out knowing that they were going to lean on the run game at first, um, and it, the Sooners adjusted, plain and simple. Everything that they everything that Texas Tech got after the after the first quarter, they they earned. Uh, they definitely earned. So I mean, Shimanek played really well last night. He was making some really nice throws. There there were a couple that he dropped to Dylan Cantrell. With, I couldn't even believe how good of throws they were. Um, 
from then on, you know, of course, as soon as they, you know, I, I felt in the last three quarters, they were getting consistent pressure on Shimanek also. Oboe looked good um, when he wasn't being double teamed. DJ Ward maybe had his best game of the season. Uh, just, it, it, it's nice to see. And I, and I hope that's something going forward we can see, especially starting next week. Um, it, it's nice to see that they played better, um, you know, especially seeing that this is the first kind of dynamic offense they've played since you know Columbus in September since they were you know since they played Ohio State in September yeah that's a good point that's a good point it's 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 the first offense that's more like a big 12 type offense the traditional big 12 with a lot of throwing even though Texas Tech does run the ball a lot more than they normally do and I think Texas Tech has been struggling but Texas Tech uh, at the at the skill obviously I think they've taken a step back at quarterback but at the skill positions they're as good as I, I think they've been since Mike Leach was there, I thought I thought their three receivers is it Cantrell, QT, and then um, uh, Vasher. I thought they're all they're all really good, and I think that's that's the difference between the the Big Twelve and anywhere else. I mean, Texas Tech is is probably in the middle of the conference in terms of of skill position and wide receiver talent, and yet they they may have a, a top ten receiving core and skill position core in the entire country. It's insane. More glass half full stuff. Defense played well after the first quarter, only allowed the one touchdown. Going back to Kansas State, after halftime, the defense played really well, and the only reason Kansas State was able to get back into that game was because of the drop snap by Austin Seibert that allowed Kansas State the short field to get some life in that game. Who knows what would have happened? Maybe they get the punt off there, and Kansas State starts at their own 20-25. Maybe Oklahoma forces a three and out, and OU goes on to win that game by three touchdowns or something like that because the defense was playing well. So that's two games in a row where we've seen improvement during the game for Oklahoma's defense. I Grant, I I wanted to ask you this, because last show you mentioned that you wanted to see the Oklahoma defense just get three stops per half. Mm -hmm. Three stops per half. Were you satisfied with what you saw then based off of that criteria against Texas Tech? seeing as that they got more than three stops per half, uh, yes, very much so. Um, So, uh, of course, the the first quarter I was thinking to myself, wow, I was being pretty generous with the three stops. Uh, But they... (laughs) And and of course in the in the second quarter they got more than three stops in the second quarter alone so uh, yeah I, I was uh, of course and this is not I, I know this is probably sounding a little a little more positive than maybe you would expect especially considering how poor the first quarter was but it, it honestly is an improvement over the last game they they played better than they did against Kansas State and I think I think the book on this defense I I, I think after this game I got I definitely got more uh, of an idea of what you're going to see with, with this defense which is you're going to see some some extended periods where they just don't tackle well and you're going to see some extended periods where they do tackle well you're going to see extended periods where they're where it seems like their hair is on fire and they're getting to the quarterback and there's going to be some extended periods where it's not so basically they're really inconsistent and (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and i know i but they 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 can do it they've proven that they can actually put together a decent performance they just haven't done it for four consecutive quarters yet this year and this upcoming Saturday would be the perfect time to do it. I'm not holding my breath, um, but because there certainly are some ways that you can attack this defense off the top of my head, uh, of course it would be. It seems like there's been... Um, I, Lee, I think OU's corners, Jordan Thomas and Parnell Motley, I think generally they're pretty... They're, they're good in coverage, but it does seem like when the ball is in the air, they really do struggle finding the ball and making a play on the ball. And uh, especially with their schedule coming up here, that's, that's just going to be really important because you know Oklahoma State and their receivers and how they like to throw the long ball that could spell a potentially long day so 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, that's something that they haven't uh, haven't noticed on tape. Uh, frankly, I don't know how they wouldn't notice it by watching OU tape, but I, I suppose we'll see. So that's the defense, and of course, a lot to talk about defensively. I think we spent the, the majority of the time on this podcast on the defense. Let's go over to the offense, Grant. And just like it seems like every single episode, there's not a whole lot to talk about with the exception of, man, the offense sure looks darn good still. And Baker Mayfield, even though he, he described his game as terrible, a, a terrible game by Maker Mayfield is still better than than most college football players in the country that are quarterbacks. And and yeah, I mean he missed a couple of throws, his accuracy wasn't there. And really, my one thought on Mayfield is again, uh, from what I saw down the field, he looked good. I know uh, I guess there was a that swing pass to Rodney Anderson that he that he overthrew him, and I guess that could have been a touchdown if he that was a touchdown that pass. There was no within twenty yards of him. So that's I mean that's tough, but um, overall he's still playing good quarterback. I'm just wondering about his health. I. He said his shoulder's not an issue. He was asked about it last night. Said it's just he needs to get his accuracy better. He just needs to throw the football more accurately. And that he even said like that's unlike him. I mean, he has very high standards for himself. I'm just still I I'm curious about his health and I you know, I that's like the one downside to this offense. If if his if he's not 100, percent I it just it would suck. It would really suck. It, it it'd be I mean this guy's playing this well probably at not 100. percent If somehow he could get if he just if he's maybe he is maybe he is good but I'm just concerned about it yeah and and I think we've we've seen too especially with his health his right shoulder I I don't think it's the the velocity on his throws doesn't seem to be uh affected at all he had the one long bomb to Brown in the first half that that he was a he was a touch late throwing otherwise it probably would have been a touchdown uh he threw that ball 65 yards in the air so so I think he's he's got arm strength but I, I don't know I mean that was I, I, I do think that was objectively the worst game that he has played this season. Um, just and, and it's mostly just just a handful of throws that stick out as just kind of uncharacteristic. Um, the one you mentioned missing the wide open Rodney Anderson, and he was wide open down the sideline. Um, missing a wide open Mark Mark Andrews over the middle of the field to, that would have extended a, a drive that was on third down. Of course, the interception that he threw in double coverage to Mark Andrews that was just a really poor decision. He had a he had a wide open Trey Sermon over the middle of the field on that play. Uh, it's just stuff like that, and I think those are the things that stick out in your mind that um, that I'm just not concerned about because it's so unlike him. And honestly, I, if, if he's going to have a bad game, uh, if a bad game for him is 290 yards and f- five total touchdowns, I'm totally okay with that. Um, yeah, yeah, he set the the bar so high, obviously, and and if he's he's going to miss on these throws, I'd much rather have him miss on these throws against Texas Tech as opposed to miss next on, week on some yeah. throws against a good defense or you know where where you can't really get a uh, a missed possible touchdown pass to Rodney Anderson back. I mean, you miss on a throw like that against Oklahoma State against TCU that that's going to come back and bite you. But against a defense like Texas Tech, it, I mean, you could, I guess, get away with it. And not not the best way to put it, but, I mean, they, they were able to get away with it and still win the game by three touchdowns. So I, I think, Lee, at the beginning of the season, you made a kind of, or at least I called it an outlandish prediction that there, I think it was after the, the UTEP game that this offense is, would be better than that 2008 unit. And I, I think, I think it's, we're very, we're very, very close to that being a reality. I, I'm, the offense is that good. It's it's been that that good this year. And this um, is an offense that hasn't been a hundred percent because a lot of guys get beat up and and not everybody's healthy every single game. And that two thousand eight team, it seemed like stayed pretty healthy until the end when Demarco Murray couldn't play in the natty. Yeah, yeah, com- yeah, for sure. And and I'm 
Well, actually, that 2018 was definitely snake bit with injuries. Remember, Austin Box got hurt. Uh, Demarcus Granger got hurt. We're talking about and, the talking about yeah. the offense, though. Oh yeah, okay. Well, yeah, sure. Talking yeah, the, the offense. Yeah, yeah, the offense. Yeah, the defense. But, I mean, Ryan Reynolds was injured. Yeah, and, Reynolds. Yeah. And and okay, so but really, what I think sets this apart, uh, this offense is, I, I think the offensive line, um, just from from a run blocking standpoint, is is outstanding. Uh, I I I don't I don't mean this in any sort of joking way, and I'm I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm being serious. Oh, you might have the best running game in the country, and I'm absolutely dead serious about that. And they certainly have the best passing game in the country. Uh, it's how how good this this front is at, at run blocking is is sensational. It's ridiculous, and they and they they pretty much run the the same play every single time. That 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 kind of that counter pull um, from either side, and they're deep at the running back position. They got four guys who they can give it to, and we know at least three of them catch the ball really well out of the backfield and they also hold up pretty well in, in, in pass protection. This this offense really can do it all and you, you saw you saw yesterday how uh, how a healthy C D Lamb uh, how he affects the offense. Uh, we, we saw Abdul Adams come back and Abdul Adams only looked like he was at at about ninety percent. Um, there was a run uh, he had in the in the first half where I think he would have scored on if, if he was a hundred percent where he, he kind of broke away and, and and couldn't get that last couple yards to score. Um, but it, this offense is virtually unstoppable when CD Lamb and Abdul Adams are 100 percent. Period. And I and 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 I don't mean I mean unstoppable for I I think that this is a team that is every bit of capable of putting up 500 yards, 40 points on Alabama. Dead serious. Oh, and yes, I mean, and that's what I think too. And that's why whenever we talk about defense, and we like last I think last episode. I talked about how it's frustrating whenever you see other teams with like Penn State and Alabama and Clemson and and Georgia and you see these teams they have all these elite type defenses that can make teams like Kansas State and make teams like probably even Texas Tech just not not get their average in yards. I mean, shut them down and make them look not as good as they are. And but they're on the flip side, the offenses for those teams aren't anywhere near as good as Oklahoma's offense. Oklahoma's offense is, and obviously this is not good for podcasting and radio, but my, my arm is very high up in the air. Oklahoma's offense is right here. And much farther down, about a foot down, I'm stopping. That's every other offense in college football. And it's not even close. And that's why it's so frustrating that the defense can't be somewhat more consistent because consistent stops against anybody and let this offense get the ball back, it's going to score points. It's going to score points because it's just really good at doing that, more so than any other offense in college football. And so that's why Oklahoma, it's, they're so close to being elite. It's just that defense and the lack of consistency is holding the Sooners back, and it's just really frustrating when you watch other teams that are probably going to, let's be honest, probably going to have more success this year than Oklahoma unless something goes really well with the defense in the next month. But they're going to have more success in Oklahoma, and you're going to watch the offenses of these teams, and you're going to think, my God, Baker, Mayfield, and company are so much better than any of these other guys. But yet, it, they can get away with it because their defenses are able to make, get stops consistently. And yeah, I, I just want to, I mean, th- that Texas Tech defense, uh, Oklahoma, I mean, how how casual and, and just kind of how easily they move the ball downfield on Saturday night. 
Texas Tech's defense, they, they've stopped some people this year. They, they have they have not been as you know as much of a sieve this year as they have been in the past. Uh, Lee, honestly, run defense for them has been a strength. They, they, they were in the top 30 in the country in, in, in run defense efficiency, and Sooners ran for over 300 yards and averaged over seven yards a carry. That's and fantastic. it was and and they I they could have ran the ball every single play of the game and they probably would have scored on every single drive. Yeah, I mean that that's that, that's how good their run game is. And it just uh, kind of and I'm not sure how much more offense you want to talk about, but just to kind of put a capper at least for me, that final drive you allude to it a little bit ago taking what 11 plus minutes off the clock and just leaning on the offensive line to run out the clock. I mean that not a lot of teams can do that. And that, I mean, that was perfect, and they got out of there. And, and as far as I know, nobody was injured, and that was just exactly what Oklahoma needed at that point in the game. And the way, and it was a great way to end it. And so I, I just, I, I, I want to finish talking about the offense just with this, and how I, just kind of the level that Oklahoma is playing at right now, and just how much pressure that puts on another team. With uh, just how one Oklahoma's offense is incredibly efficient; it's the most efficient team in the country. They're very explosive. They can score in one of many ways, and I, I think it's it's really hard to put a value on just how how much pressure that puts on the defense, um, how much pressure it puts on them to be perfect every single play, and honestly, just get a stop because it feels like if they, uh, especially you know, also puts a lot of pressure on the other offense because they think, hey man, if we don't score, we're we're kind of screwed. And that's that's how good Oklahoma's offense has been. And really, the only thing that stopped them this year has has just been getting too cute, for the most part. So yeah, that's all. That's all I have. Again, I I didn't get to watch the game back, so I don't have a whole lot. I, so I mean, if if there's anything else you want to go on, I mean, I normally we just talk about the game, but we're a little short today. So if if you have any thoughts on the day in college football, I mean, a couple of top five teams, a couple of top four teams lost. Obviously, one of them was beaten by another really good team. But Iowa State got a win over TCU. Of course, Ohio State beat Penn State, came back. I mean, there was there was some interesting games this week. And Oklahoma State got a nice one over West Virginia, which I know the AP poll is irrelevant pretty much now. But Oklahoma State didn't even move at all in the AP poll after beating a ranked team on the road and putting up 50 on the Mountaineers. I think that's that's ridiculous. The Cowboys should be in the top 10 right now. We'll see when the college football playoff rankings come out if the committee – feels a little a little better towards Oklahoma State but but what are your thoughts if any uh, on the day of college football well I, th- I think it was a very momentous day uh, for the season there a lot of dominoes fell yesterday um, I, I think it, it I think it's, it's it's probably the beginning of chaos and and not all we're gonna see uh, I, I'm just really interested to see what what the committee's rankings are going to be on Tuesday. I, I know you had said don't put too much stock in them, but I think we're going to get a good idea of, of what they think about Oklahoma. We're, we're gonna, I think we're going to know right away how valuable that Ohio State win is. Um, if 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 the Sooners tomorrow are in the top six, um, then then I would say to everyone in Sooner Nation, breathe easy. They totally control their des- uh, their destiny if they're in the top six. If they're kind of around the eight or nine level, which is where I expect them to be, then I would say. Uh, they probably do not control their destiny. They need some other teams to lose, but I we'll see. I mean, a, a lot can happen. This is why we love college football because it's unpredictable. Um, there's a couple things right now that everyone thinks is a given, and that's Alabama and Georgia being undefeated going to the SEC championship game. Anyone who has followed college football for their entire life knows that that ain't gonna happen. So something's gonna happen. There, there's uh, Georgia and Alabama both have three losable games left. Um, it's going to be this, this November is going to be awesome. 
Um, and, and I, I just hope it, it's more fun for us because I hope, you know, the Sooners can go on a run here. And speaking of that, I mean, one of my other points I wanted to make in regards to Oklahoma, and this is kind of a generic comment, which I don't like to do generic things. You know me. I like to keep things out of the ordinary and non-hacky. But seriously, at this point, one game at a time is relevant for Oklahoma because Oklahoma, yeah, they're, the Sooners aren't looking great. They're not looking as good as they did against Ohio State in week two. But at least we're going into November, Grant, and Oklahoma is still in the playoff picture. And from my opening take, I think Oklahoma still controls its own destiny. So I'm not much of a whole, you know, bright side kind of person when it comes to this stuff. But I think it's fair to just take into account that, yeah, Oklahoma is ranked eighth in the AP poll. And we don't know what their Oklahoma is going to be ranked in the, the first college football playoff poll. But the games still matter. And Oklahoma's not looking at best case scenario, Cotton Bowl or some, you know, thing like that whereas if that was the case i would be like okay i don't care oh absolutely cares yeah absolutely so, i mean they're that's they're, awesome that's november and oklahoma still has a lot to play for they're, they're objectively in a better spot right now than they were two years ago when they did make the playoff i mean i think that's that's obvious they're, they're in a much better spot than they were that time uh just you know a lot of stuff happened in a short amount of time in that season and also they had a november that was very similar to the november they're about that's coming up here whereas they had three kind of high profile top 15 games and and it's it's the same deal this year so we'll we'll see if they if you know we'll see if they answer the call they're they consider themselves road warriors i know bedlam on saturday is going to be insane i'm excited to talk about it later this weekly um i am really going to go in and watch a lot uh, of oklahoma state i've seen seen quite a bit of them this year already i thought their win um against west virginia was actually impressive it was kind of a it was one of those games where it seemed like it was cold and rainy. The weather was bad, and both teams kind of had trouble holding on to the ball. Will Greer threw four picks. Uh, I think Oklahoma State fumbled it three or four times, uh, just kind of fluky, weird stuff like that, and they were still able to put 50 points on the board. Uh, went by double digits on the road to a ranked team. That's that's nothing to scoff at. If you if you, you do that, it doesn't matter what the, what the score of the game is. That's always a good win, so... Uh, both these teams are, are are coming into this this upcoming game playing fairly well the week before that so uh we'll see it's obviously a game that both teams need um i think the sooners got a huge break that game's at three o'clock and not a night game really happy about that and speaking of oklahoma state just surface level analysis and not having watched the game back from what i saw cowboys that's two weeks in a row oklahoma state west virginia and also oh now I'm blanking who they was it tech did they play tech was no tech was a while back uh, West, Virginia, West Virginia West Virginia uh, played tech like three weeks ago was it Baylor two weeks ago Oklahoma was, State they, they they held Baylor to like 16 points is that two weeks ago 16 points but Baylor almost had 300 yards rushing in that game I do want to mention that well like my, my point being West Virginia's got a really good offense and it was in uh, it was at West Virginia and really the Mountaineers were able, they got a a block punt and a pick six. So two of those touchdowns weren't even the defense's fault. So the defense only allowed what three touchdowns to West Virginia. Yeah. So uh, Oklahoma oh. State's defense is start is playing probably. Yeah. I mean, they're the Cowboys are playing the best defense they've played since the very beginning of the year when they were playing offenses that weren't that good. So now they're playing good offenses and Oklahoma State's defense is getting better where it seems like Oklahoma's defense is just inconsistent. That's the word of the year. At this point, when you when you uh, describe the Sooners D, I, I think Oklahoma State right now is. I mean, they're 
defense is, is arguably a strength of their team right now. Their defense has played well this season. Oh, it was uh, Texas. Uh, it was Texas. They held Texas to 10 points. Texas. They held That's Texas, yeah. They, and they and, and Texas previously, points. it was Baylor. So, yep. I mean, that defense had three straight games where it's played really well. Against, yeah. I mean, Big 12 teams. But I, I can promise you, they ain't seen nope, what, they, what they're I mean, about to see nobody, on Saturday. The thing is, nobody's seen <laughs> Oklahoma until the teams see Oklahoma. And that's the thing. I mean, and, and again, we got to wrap this up because I got to get going. But we'll talk more about this when we have more time to watch the film. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Ohio State, Penn State. But I mean, that Penn State defense is really good, Grant. Ohio State, though, was able to rack up a lot of yards against that Penn State defense, wasn't it? And and that Ohio State defense is really good. Didn't Penn State's offense didn't do any, anywhere near as much as Oklahoma's offense did against that that Ohio State defense. I mean, I know it's apples to oranges in some ways because it's different times of the year, but Honestly, I don't know if it's that much of a difference to compare the two games. No, but that's just make, but make me, yeah. Make, make no mistake about it. O, OU is on on Saturday. They're they're not going to struggle to move the ball. Uh, I, Oklahoma State's defense is good, but the, the Sooners are, are definitely going to get theirs in that game. So uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting week leading up to it. Um, a massive game. This is as big as it gets. This is a this is a this is a playoff elimination game um, in November. This is exactly what it's all about. And, and I'm so I'm just so glad that we're going into this game, and we we know that this game is really really important. Uh, and I'm glad you know there there's four spots that you know we're, we're battling for one spot of four and not one spot of two. So it's just doesn't get any better than this. November in college football with 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 national championship implications on the line. It's it's, it's just awesome. It, it's the best spectacle in sports, in my opinion, which is usually right. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're never wrong about anything ever. I, 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 yeah. totally, I totally nailed uh, the, the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game, though. I said it was going to be a game that uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State was, was comfortably ahead the entire time, and which was pretty much true. I, I was totally wrong about Iowa State-TCU, though. You, yeah, you, th- you said TCU was going to win that comfortably. Totally wrong about that. I mean, it's just if you just watch. I mean, I've watched more Iowa State than I ever have in my life, and just watching them play. I mean, obviously Oklahoma game, a little bit of Kansas game, the Texas Tech game. It's just that's just a really well coached team that doesn't beat itself. And TCU is TCU is a good football team, obviously, but Cyclones had the home field advantage. TCU is not like a world beater. Uh, again, we've said it on this podcast before, at least I have. If TCU and Oklahoma State played ten times, I think Oklahoma State wins that game eight out of ten times. Yeah, just, TCU yeah. got them at a at, at a good time. Yeah, so you I, know. Iowa State winning that game, I was surprised. I thought Iowa State would still lose, but good for the Cyclones. I mean, Iowa State is a is a real team, and and I heard some. Uh, I was listening to a, a radio show, and this is kind of getting off sidebar. But one person was, was saying that he doesn't think Iowa State is really. This is before the TCU game. Thought that Iowa State still might not even get bowl eligible. That just shows me that this person doesn't watch any college football, at least like teams like Iowa State because Iowa State was objectively a Oklahoma Kansas Texas Tech, a really good football team that was certainly going to be bowl eligible by the end of the year but anyway that's that's a sidebar yeah what, do you have one more one more point to make yeah I'll, I'll just to say Iowa State again and I'm I obviously Iowa State's a great story I I don't I think they're 14th in the AP poll I, I most certainly don't think they're the 14th best team in the country um, they, they could certainly prove me wrong um, however I guess w- when you look at just kind of the fortunes of teams in the Big 12 throughout the year. I mean, I- Iowa State has the best running back in the conference, and they have the most talented wide receiver in the conference. Um, so generally, if you say that, I mean, it- it's is it really all that surprising given, you know, in the context of the Big 12 that Iowa State has been successful this year? I, I guess not. 
So hats off to them. They, they've done pretty much all they have to do to win. I know TCU did blow some chances to, to take control of that game, but credit to Iowa State. They made plays again and for the most part just played really solid defense and, you know, basically the, the coaching staff just put, puts them in really good, you know, really good positions to win games and senior laden team, they keep doing it. So I, I hope this, I hope the story continues. That's a great story. I would love to see them again in Dallas. I, I think it's unlikely, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly see. All right, Grant, nice job today. Way to carry the show. I think I'll give you the MVP. You did. You had a lot of good stuff. That thank, is it. We'll be back you. on Thursday. Yep, okay. Mm-hmm. We'll be back Thursday to discuss the playoff committee's first set of rankings, and, of course, we'll talk all things Bedlam leading up to the big matchup this Saturday. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.